0: Hi there, and welcome to the Feeling Vasonic podcast. My name is Stephen Connor, and I will be your host for the next hour or so. This is episode 10, and the title of this episode is Mosley Noise. The reason for the title Mosley Noise is because I will be joined today by professional producer, composer, songwriter, musician, engineer, and all-round muso,
1: Luke Mosley. Good morning, Luke, how are you? Great, thank you. Good morning. How you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I'm um, certainly glad it's Friday. I've, I've got into the habit of doing the podcast on a Friday, um, but we've got a nice Sunday morning, um, and uh, you know, all things are good. So, looking forward to the weekend. Yeah. Um, it's been. A, have you had a busy week?
1: Yeah, pretty busy, pretty active combination: writing, producing, mixing, skating, eating.
0: Oh, right, yeah, because I know you're a bit of a, a mm-hmm. skater boy. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that something you've done since what from from when you were very young, or um, you know, is, is that something you discovered later in life?
1: No, I skated a little bit when I was a kid, sort of like 12, 13, 14. But I started longboarding after I did my first uh, ski season in the French Alps, and I came back and wanted to stay on a board. So, oh wow, longboarding on and off for like 10, 10 12 years, something like that, and then. During lockdown, I got myself a, a normal board because there's a, a skate park over in Palace, Crystal Palace in South London that's got like a right. really good bowl and a really good pool. So I always wanted to learn how to skate like big pools and bowls and stuff. So oh, been, um, yeah, I've been doing it loads. Been going every day basically for about three or four months. So that's
0: great. Well I suppose it's a great way of getting, you know, fresh air and exercise at the yeah. and and, ha- and have some fun. Can you do all the tricks and things then?
1: I'm getting there. I'm learning. I'm learning. Got my first uh, first few front side 50 50s on the little quarter pipe there um <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's it's great it's great exercise i went for the first time to try it and i came back and nikki my uh, girlfriend and i had been pretty good during lockdown working out yeah. like most days i came back and i was like fuck working out i'm never doing that again i'm gonna just go <laughs> skate every day working out sucks and this is fun
0: yeah yeah so i, I suppose that yes yeah, it's, it's, it's something you can do on your own as well isn't it it's, it's not as you know a lot of the restrictions that we have you know on team sports and that type of thing You know, I suppose you can do it at any time, any given time. You just take your board and, um, you know, crack
1: on, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's great. There's like a real good community around it as well. You know, you see a lot of the same sort of people at the park and get to know people and everyone's that real supportive. If they see you like trying to trick and you land it, you know, everyone like starts slamming their boards against the coping and concrete sort of to help amp you up. So, yeah, it's been really good. That's great. Yes, yeah.
0: I mean, I have to confess, I've got no idea what you're on about, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I can visualise. I have seen these guys doing it, um, and it is all very impressive and everything. But uh, it's not something I've tried myself. But um, yeah, so are there? They, they have world championships and all sorts, don't they nowadays? With um, yeah. is, it, is it a recognised? Is it a recognised sport? Or, uh, yeah, it?
1: it was supposed to be. I think it was the Olympics. Was supposed to be that this was the first year that it was going to be so oh yeah yeah so it's like olympic recognized they have got like this street league skate series thing which is like you know stupid money i think like you win like 80 grand per competition it travels all across the world and then the vans park series they do like a big worldwide sort of tour where they go to these parks and all the pros come and compete and amazing yeah 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 I'm, I'm
0: That's well, like, yeah, I'd, I'd seen you doing that sort of stuff, but I didn't realise you were that kind of, you know, into it and that proficient, at it and everything. But I suppose that the, the whole kind of skater, um, you know, community is, it is kind of intrinsically linked with music as well, isn't it? Which, of course, your other great love or your exactly. great love. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So,
1: yeah. Um, and who could forget that? Was it Alanis Morissette, the skater boy? Come on, Stephen, you're better than that. <laughs> Avril Levine. Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne. Don't pretend like you don't own all of her albums. I was close.
2: <laughs>
0: In fact, no, not even close. Um, my, my my apologies to Avril Levine for, for the misappropriate, misappropriation there.
1: If you're listening, yeah,
0: up. but yeah, that that kind of link, you know, with music, and it's all just cool stuff, isn't it? Um, it I mean, it's it's also almost got a you know its own. Not uniform, but um, you know the the style, if you like, and you know the fashion and the clothing that goes alongside as well, isn't it? So you've got fashion, sport, and music. Yeah, kind of intrinsically.
1: Well, the music was really pivotal for moving it away. Like in the seventies, it was quite clean cut. People used to do sort of like routines in teams, and it was like really, it was like the fastest growing sport in America. There was like, it was nationally recognized competitions every weekend. And then it sort of fell out a little bit of favor. Well, it completely died out of favor. And then sort of punk started to take off and that sort of yeah, hugely fused with the sort of what was now a little bit of an outlaw type vibe with skateboarding. Like it wasn't cool. Like in the eighties and stuff, you weren't cool. If you skateboarded, you're like, you're still skateboarding. Like that's, yeah. that's something that's gone. That's like a fad that's passed. So then it yeah. really went sort of like, underground and people kept it going through like the connection with like punk rock and all that kind of stuff you know all these bands like blink 182 they wouldn't have existed without you know like the green days who were like really yeah. happy to into that kind of stuff so yeah it's been yeah, all, all, that's, all, all yeah yeah so to say that kind of i suppose it's also a
0: generational thing as well i mean with with um you know it's it's, it's it, you were all influenced by what's around at that particular time i'm thinking back now to sort of 90s with you know, the whole Nirvana thing and the brands, bands that you mentioned, you know, the kind of the, the post-punk bands and all that kind of stuff, very much with that kind of sound and, you know, college rock and that type of stuff. Mm. But what, what particular, did what did you grow? What was your early inf- influences then with music? Were you, um,
1: you know, were you into guitar music or uh, in, in, into what, what sort of genre were you, or just all music? Yeah, no, no, I was, I mean, I got my first, I started playing guitar when I was 11. I went, we moved, went back to America. So, I was born in Leeds. Had an Australian dad, so we moved to Perth, West Australia. Then we moved to Phoenix, Arizona, because my mom's American. Then we moved back to England. And then, on a trip back to America, one of my my older cousin had gotten a guitar, and he taught me how to play. Well, showed me how I could one day play "Walk This Way" on his Strat. And then I got a guitar, started learning. My mom was big into like Eric Clapton, Bonnie Raitt eagles crosby still nash and young so i grew up listening to a a lot of that and then i went straight into like rock basically i used to fucking love skunk nancy Foo fighters went heavier into like some sort of metal stuff like um glass jaw and some like sort of rockabilly ish punk like rocket from the crypts uh it it was just all guitars buying kerrang every wednesday if you didn't listen to rock or guitar, then I don't I didn't want to talk to you. I think it's a shit. So I was very, it was back in the days when it was all very, you know, your music was such a huge uh, factor of your identity. You know, you had rock, you, had, you know, moshers and you had like chavs and it was a very yeah. clear divide. It's not like now where you can just listen to all types of music. Mainly, I think yeah. because back then to buy a record, it was 10 pounds and you're not just going to spend 10 pounds on like um, an EDM record. I obviously didn't even get this number like a trance record just to think like oh i'll just try this out because yeah that, that 10 pounds was. When that's
0: yeah i mean that's that's really interesting i mean but i've got a question for you um is rock and roll dead
1: no definitely not i think it's i don't think it's a yeah. resurgence it's there's a lot of a lot of great bands that are definitely doing well i think it's just i think it's just morphing as it always does yeah yeah and i think it's all it's also you know how you know the
0: digital age that we live in you know you mentioned about you know 10 pound for a record and all that sort of stuff you know those days are generally gone aren't they so it's 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 how how we consume music nowadays i mean and as i would be interested in your answer as a kind of music you know producer you know the artist i mean what is the aim of the artist now is it to sell records is it to get known is it to be you know to get so many streams or spotify What what's the kind of goal in today's
1: Artist to, to where they kind of want want to, want to be. I mean, everyone has a different idea. It depends on their motivation. But for me, the the aim that I always try and help artists with is to create their own community and ecosystem. I suppose you know, if you have it's the whole fa- one thousand true fans thing. If you can have a thousand people that'll buy everything you do and put out, and you can get and you can give them a hundred pounds worth of value a year that's fucking 100 grand you made that year. That's like, yeah, that's enough to put back into your music to support it. You know, a lot of people will be chasing streams, which is fine. Streams you can leverage to shows, I suppose, with booking agents. But realistically, you know, you're talking, well, it's like four grand for every million streams, depending on the territory. Yeah, And if you're on a label, they're taking, you know, a large portion of that because they own the master rights. And the master rights gets at least like, what, 75, 80%. Of all yeah. the um income from streaming so i think all of that should just be used as a product so yeah get people in your world and then it's really like merch and live shows where you're going to be able to support yourself and now with live shows obviously in the shitter it's really you know merch and just yeah people just wanting to be yeah as close to you as they can i suppose
0: yeah, I think that's right. And I th- with, with this, uh, and obviously, it's very difficult at the moment for for everybody in in, in the music se- sector or the or the entertainment sector, of course, um, and the arts. Um, you know, it's extremely difficult. You know, it's, as you as you just quite rightly pointed out, the vast majority of income would come through merch and through you know CD sales or whatever it might be at events. So um, without those, it's it's
1: um, you know it's a difficult time for everybody, isn't it? It is, but I, I don't think that is. Necessarily, you know, there's there's two sides to that as well. You know, going out on the road is expensive. You know, so Mm -hmm. yeah, you'll sell more merch, but realistically, if you can build a fan base and a family around you who you have access to, you know, actual email addresses, and you're being as creative with your merch and your offers as you are with the creation of your music. I don't think there should be people aren't not wanting to spend money people are not not wanting to stay connected with their bands there was um a great sort of interview with this guy and he was a musician and he sort of had these various levels on his website so you know 20 dollars, you get the album uh 30 you get the album and a t-shirt and anyway you worked your way up and up you know a thousand dollars i'll come play at your house for you and some friends um two thousand dollars i'll come to your house and i'll cook you a meal and then he had <laughs> and he had one for $9,000 which was i'm will come and pick you up we'll hang out all day and at the end of the day you can have my volvo <laughs> <laughs> well that's one way of
0: uh, it's, it must but well, much more fun than we i suppose yeah well certainly.
1: i just i just <laughs> thought it was so interesting you know like you could you yeah. could you could say have um i don't know you could go and do a series of busking tours where you set up some kind of I don't know, fucking mobility scooter type thing where you have everything on yeah. it and you cruise this mobility scooter around and it's in all your social media and everyone sees it and everyone's like, that's so cool. It's like a pimped out mobility scooter that he busks with. And then why not at the <laughs> end of like that little mobility tour, whatever you would call it, why not put that on and say like, you can come and you can take it home with you and you can take it yeah a piece of, of the whole uh, journey and process, I guess. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think it's
0: being creative and coming up with ideas. And one of the things that I've noticed that you've been doing, um I'm not sure how long you've been doing it, probably six months or so, maybe more, is your Try It Tuesday. It's about, about um, a year and a bit now, know. actually, I think. Oh, is it really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, but that's just, that's just something as simple as that. You do, like, just for anybody that hasn't uh, seen or heard it, It's uh, Luke does a, it's almost like a, what, 30, 45-second grab of um, hints and tips of what, what you can try with your music or... Um, you know, but it's, it's got, it gets a really good reception, doesn't it? And people do like tuning in and listening to what you have to say on a Tuesday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, people seem to be engaging with it. It's just an attempt to, you know, make something that'll uh, spark a different way of approaching something, whether it's yeah. com- like composition or mindset or, you know, business. It was partly to hold myself accountable to doing it on a day of the week. And then, yeah, just yeah. making it under the minute long um live on instagram really yeah yeah and i think i think that's really that's really good and that's something
0: so if anybody hasn't seen that um i'll put all your links and everything to it so oh, in, in the in the show notes Thanks. so yeah so that i think you know if you're in the music industry and you and you're you know you're an artist wanting to um you know look at things that you can do maybe slightly differently um then it's you know certainly worth tuning in which brings me neatly <laughs> to um the role of the music producer um, in your bio, you know, I've I've got uh, I've introduced you. You know, you are a songwriter, you're a composer, you're a producer, you're an engineer, and you know the whole package. And I looked up the definition of a music producer. Actually, um, do you want to see how close you can get to it? What What's your <laughs> idea? or What is your definition of a of a producer? What What do you
1: do? Well, I suppose it really depends on the uh, date that the um, book that you're reading it from was. Is- <laughs> published so it was wikipedia wikipedia um it was wiki- okay so yeah. i think the role of a producer is to understand and facilitate the creation of a musical product yeah you're you're bang on
0: yeah i mean basically what you like you want me to read what it says i'm going to read it out right so it says that a music producer is um is the recording project's technical leader commanding studio time and coaching artists and in popular genres, typically creates the songs very sound, which is nice. a rounded description. And that's exactly what you do, isn't it? Because I've noticed we're going to play some songs through the show of artists that you've worked with, whether it's be on a co-write or on a um, you know on a production level, whether it be vocal production or mixing or whatever it might be. But you know, you've been shall I say instrumental uh, in, in bringing, <laughs> bringing these tracks. Up. <laughs> bringing bringing these tracks to life um and we're gonna we're gonna play a few of them but um yes i mean how when you get an artist in the studio i mean what's your style i mean how do you get the best out of an artist while you've got them in that room for that amount of time
1: i think well the first thing is you have to be very open yourself you're you know you're working with somebody who you're wanting to create something that means something to them like if it doesn't if it doesn't come from the heart it's not going to go to anyone else's heart so you're in a position where you need to be very vulnerable and open with who you are as a person and what you've experienced so that they feel, you know, safe to do the same. It's one of the reasons why yep. I love having my studio at home because I invite people into where I live. They meet my dogs, my girlfriend, Nikki. You know, I make us lunch. We hang out downstairs. You know, they can get a little inside. It's not just uh, like a soulless room in a complex with no windows it's very much geared towards being open and then it really comes down to just figuring out why the fuck anyone should care about what they're doing like why are you even doing it there's much easier ways to make a living in the world than being an artist and putting music out so i try and really figure out what they want to say and why it matters to them and then help finesse that into something that is going to have as much impact as possible. Yeah.
0: So to people, do you also have people that just want to record? Do they come to you with a preconceived idea? Look, well, I've got this song. I just want to record it. And you may, m- maybe, you know, you, you'll play guitar on it or something like that. Uh, or is it always very much a directional thing with, where you're recommending a certain sound or a, a vibe that, um, you know, that you want to put, that will benefit the song, if you know what I mean, rather than, um,
1: having a preconceived idea and just recording that as it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, people come to me, I think I, I like to work with people that are, that are not looking for their sound, but that are open to being pushed creatively. Like I rarely yeah. just, somebody comes in with a song and I'll just record it because a lot of the time you might hear things and, you know, it's all objective. So whether or not it's making the song better or not is, you know, not for me to say, yeah. but often if I'll like, if I hear a song, someone comes in, I want to record the song and be like, cool, that's great. I personally think we should be looking at something, some of these elements to make it connect even more. Like maybe your verse isn't yeah. quite making sense leading into your pre blah, blah, blah. If they come in, but then the next part of that is I'll say, you know, who are you as an artist? Who's who would be played before you on the radio and who'd be played after you on the radio? What kind of, what are people doing when they're listening to this song? Are they jumping up and down with their friends? Are they, you know, um, on their own, taking a walk, reflecting what kind of style references sort of really dive yeah. into that and try and think of it, not just on a song by song basis, but on a, like a whole project artist type vantage. Yeah. Well, that sounds, that sounds great. I mean, cause that's the other thing, isn't it? You,
0: you have to know, as you, you know pointed out there is you, you've got to know who your audience is, you know, who's, who's this track going to appeal to you know, to get, to get the best out of it and to get, to get the most value out of it. Um, you know, our music, all music has to be aimed at a particular, um,
1: target audience, if you like, you know, and, and know your product and know your audience. Yeah. And I think I definitely agree with that, but on the same token, I think you want to just, you know, there's 7 billion people in the world. Like we can find people that are going to like your music. The main thing for me is making sure that it's being authentic to them and not trying to chase a style that they think is going to get them fans you know um yeah that's a really important thing because i want to i want to write timeless music i don't want to write fad driven music that's going to disappear in in four years so yeah so so, yeah yeah, the authenticity is a huge part for me and then translating that authenticity into how they represent themselves in like image as well is going to be really important and then finding the fans that are like i just love everything about this person they're so genuine and yeah, that's absolutely right. Okay, we're
0: going to have a listen to one of the tracks that you've um, that you've worked on and um, co-written um, and and produced, or you know levels of, of um, you know production through you. Um, and this particular track that we're going to play is uh, by Kidnap, cool, featuring featuring Leo yep. Zanard. Yeah, yeah, I you do know the other one. Yeah, yep. growth. Yep. It's called Grow, and um, probably worth pointing out that this track has had over 3 million, 3.2 million streams on Spotify. So well done, man. It's just, is absolutely it brilliant. Is. It's Grow by Kidnap, featuring Leo Stannard. I
3: will chase the footsteps, the ones we walk for years. And lines they'll lead us right back, lead us right back here And time will always march on like not to for a ride, But love will lead us right back, lead us right back here Oh, I say
0: grow by kidnap featuring the brilliant leo stannard and going back to the, the music luke and everything else like that i mean that was a fantastic production great song and obviously it's all proving to be very popular um i just want to ask you from when you started out you mentioned that you started playing guitar at 11 did you have aspirations to be an artist was that your first kind of thing did you just want to make music write songs
1: play guitar have you been in bands and things yeah yeah i just wanted to be a guitarist i didn't even want to sing or anything but basically when i was about 17 or something we couldn't really find a singer and i started singing and playing more acoustic stuff i used to love listening to like john butler trio dave matthews and tim reynolds did a fucking great live at luther college album that was real rhythmical great songs and i then Did like a, yeah, an acoustic solo project called Elmo, L-M-O, you know, Luke Mosley type thing. So I did that and I toured around. I did like a bit of a world tour I put together at one point, released some, um, I released one album, two two albums under that moniker. And then translated that into a band that moved more indie to rock called Time of Haibu. That then moved into the rock band, which was called, was called I swim with sharks. So we toured all around and I was the guitarist and singer in that three piece. And that was when I was still living in Leeds. We used to go to Greenmount studios with Lee and Jamie who were fucking great to record all the stuff there. I didn't really care about recording. I just wanted to be in a band and let somebody else deal with all that. Yeah. Then when that band ended i moved down to london which is about seven or eight years ago now and wanted to keep making music and i had sort of loosely touched on production before i'd done little bits and pieces but i hadn't really focused on it and then i just sort of went in hard on doing tutorials online and writing my own sort of electronic-ish solo songs and then that sort of transitioned into not really wanting to do an artist thing then and just yeah started to work with other people and collaborating and
0: yeah so had, had you learned did you were you noticing or observing what you know the the recording the engineers were doing or you know how they kind of got everything into the machine and and, and mix songs i mean have you got obviously you've got a good ear for you know for mixing and all that sort of stuff but did you notice what they were doing and and so that you wanted to be able
1: to do that very yourself? little to be completely honest i when we recorded, you know, we were—it was pretty fast. It was like, go in one day, track two or three songs, go in another day to do the vocals, mix, done. Like those boys worked so fast, and you know, we didn't have much of a budget, yes. so it was a typical case of like rush, rush, rush. Um, I picked up little bits, but I was never, never overly fascinated with it. For some reason, I probably could have learned a lot more if I'd paid more attention in those sessions. But um, yeah but yeah it yeah. was more just wanting to have a finished product that motivated me to learn more about it it wasn't that i you know a lot of people you know say like lee and jamie as well there um they just love gear they love knowing about it they love like getting old vintage gear and how it works and you know <laughs> fixing it up yeah. and all that kind of stuff and just really into the sonics yeah. the, the, the mechanics sorry of it. the physics i suppose not, not mechanics yeah. um Whereas mine was always, I want to get an end product, so I'm going to learn this other stuff.
0: Sure. And what's what's your, um, yeah. listen to me as if I know what I'm talking about, your uh, your so ZRW? You, yeah, I use Ableton Live use?
1: for probably the past five, six years or so. I used to use Logic and then shuffled across to Ableton.
0: Yeah. That's not what I know too much about. I mean, I've just literally got I've got Logic um, just very recently, and I'm still, like you say, I mean, I've been looking at, kind of youtube tutorials but i think you know it's very difficult to teach yourself and i did teach myself guitar and things but you know when it's when it's technical stuff it kind of it just goes over my head you know and and it it kind of it doesn't scare me but it it just puts me off and to the point where i think i'm never going to be able to master this like somebody that knows what they're doing do you know what i mean it's it's i'd rather get somebody else to do it and i'll just hopefully just concentrate on just doing the music because i think when you try and do everything yourself and i know as musicians and everything else nowadays uh, one of the things i've been talking about on the podcast is that you literally you know you know i'm interested in talking to people who have this entrepreneurial approach to to their music and how they make the music and distribute and play the music um because it it, is it's it's a one kind of stop shop where as an artist today, you pretty much got to do everything. I'm not, so, not necessarily saying you do all
1: your own production and everything, but at least have an understanding of what's involved. Yeah, for you know? sure. I mean, it can only help you as well. You know, knowledge is power as, as the saying goes and being able to talk yeah. to producers and being able to, you know, understand business side, everything. It all feeds yes. into just feeling confident in where you are. If you, if you let somebody else, you know, even learning a little bit of logic is great for like, if you go into a studio and yes. some, you know that maybe the reverb size is too big, or the decay is too long, or the delay, the the feedback is too high. Yeah. So you can just be like, "Cool, can we reduce that feedback?"
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I was um, just recently, um, you know, my my sort of love of Oasis, all mm-hmm. things Oasis, um, and it was the twenty fifth anniversary of the uh, the second album, What's Story Morning Glory, and I, was, I watched the documentary where they at Rockfield Studios, where they went down, you know, as a band. I mean you know, I'd like to think this sort of thing still does happen, but they went over there and took over the studio as a res- residential studio. And, um, you know, they did an album in, it was literally a track a day in 12 days. Half the songs that they had mm-hmm. weren't even written. Um, but can you imagine what it must have been like in that in that room? You know, with, I mean, Noel Gallagher worked very closely, um, uh, you know, with, um, with the producers and everything and the, and the engineers and stuff. Um, and they literally called, called yeah. in the band guys, the band members, as and when they needed them and but you know two weeks there and um you know it's it's fantastic i mean but the whole production the way things are done nowadays i think they did that then pretty much it was like as live the band went in played the track and then it was quite raw when it was
1: um you know when it was mixed which was half the appeal of of the whole sound yeah exactly and i think you know a relative anomaly because Noel Gallagher is such a fucking incredible songwriter. And also not just a great songwriter. He's very, uh, very aware and forthright with what he wants. And he's got the knowledge again. He knows, he knows he what does, he wants. Yeah. He knows how he's going to piece it together. He knows the other people. He doesn't need a committee of people to get these songs out. He just needs people to come in and play, <laughs> but, and, and play probably exactly what that. he tells them to yeah. play. Let's be honest. um, Definitely. and i think when you have someone Definitely. like that driving you know steering the ship then yeah you can have that kind of output yeah. and and you know he was ma- he was match fit as well like yeah. what was that the third third album, second that, album that was the
0: second album I mean, the third one yeah it kind of got panned a little bit didn't it i think they made the mistake of basically sending oasis to uh, to mystique or whatever and um you know to to write um be here now but and it, you know it got panned by the critics in its in its day, but uh, and even I don't think Noel likes it particularly. But um, I, I I'm still listening to it. I mean you know, I think like I said to somebody the other week, that's that you know if you're a fan of a particular band or whatever, you like everything they do, mm. good, bad or indifferent. It's just because it's that band, you know. But um, yeah, so so moving on then, um, we're gonna have another a, a listen to um, another track that you've co-written. Uh, and this one is Great. with Tommy Ashby. How,
1: how did that one go about? And that was with Tommy and uh, Joe Killington as well, actually. He was another writer on that. Yeah, we just, oh, really? my management, got us in with the session. They, know, they knew Tommy's team. Um, we came in and sort of did like a production on it. And then he uses, I want to say Sam Ockley over in Cornwall. So he then took what we did, and they sort of re-recorded it over that way. But yeah, I, I love this song. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's great. Like his voice, is, his voice is amazing as well. Yeah, he's got the voice of a Scottish angel. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned
0: Joe Killington there. I mean, I've I've kind of I've, I've um, come across him a few times actually, um
1: usually at songwriting events. But he's got an interesting story, hasn't he? As a song- Joe, as a song- yeah, songwriter. yeah, Joe's Joe's seen a lot. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't until recently I spoke to him, and he wrote um. There's a song called My My. I think it was My My. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like an old house song. And my friends, they used to run a night called Filthy Habit up in the north. I used to rinse that all the time. And I was talking to him. He's like, yeah, I wrote that song. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Okay, let's have a listen to um, the
1: track that Joe
0: Killington and uh, Luke Mosley and Tommy Ashby wrote, co-wrote with um, Tommy Ashby. Uh, it's called Someone New
2: it's gonna take a little while before I can get over you to take the needle off darling and play another (laughs) tune I can still see it's gonna take a little while before it can get over you but you turn
0: uh tommy ashby and someone new um going back to your studio then luke i mean you're you're in brixton aren't you isn't yep. it
1: brixton south london pretty Night much West yeah Streatham hill if you wanted to be technical but just up brixton hill not far at all close to the skate park yeah Crystal piv- Palace. pivotal fundamental <laughs> <laughs> so
0: okay and the pictures that i've seen um and obviously i follow you on instagram and um and i've, I've, I've seen um you know lots of pictures of of various artists that have come to your studio um, it's green, isn't it? I mean, is there what what what's the description of that green color? Uh, is it a particular yeah, um, yeah.
1: shade? Dude, I mean, Nikki would know. She's the color color queen around here. Trying to figure out what to do. It. I always have tons of plants. I got like a bunch of fake ivy and big plants in here. So it's a really nice green because in the light it feels really really vibrant. But then when it's dark and you've got a few lamps on, it goes really sort of uh, rich and. Yeah yeah kind of quite warm um
0: yes it is yeah it's striking you know that's that's the thing that about it you you it's the it's the first thing i noticed about the um about the studio actually is where your eyes drawn and I, I actually um back in the day I, I seem to remember somebody telling me once that you know if your eyes are tired and you look at something green it relaxes the eyes or does something to the brain exactly. or whatever. so um yeah, uh, apparently. I don't know how true I'll that pretend is. Pretend I but, thought of um, that. Maybe cause some, somebody, maybe somebody listening might be able, might know that and be able to um, you know send me a message to yeah. correct me or whatever. Um, but yeah, but it is, it's it's and it's and it looks very homely as well. You mentioned it's you know that the studios in your in actually in your in your home. Um, it's yeah, I'm not, and I think it's it's something that it's, it's it creates this, like you said, openness and. Um, so that people feel comfortable in there immediately um and you obviously thought through the, the kind of decor and you know what the studio looks looks and Definitely, feels like yeah i well. want people
1: to come in and feel uh feel like supported and relaxed okay. and just like it's somewhere they want to hang out because you know you spend a lot of time in here um you know for instance i got a whole wall full of windows not technically the best thing for sounds but it doesn't really matter because. I think you get better songs from better environments, and people mix songs yeah. on in mono, yeah. and they're still fucking amazing. So, yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, just from what I've heard, I mean, what we've heard already, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it sounds fantastic. I'm just going to ask you about. So, what, what do you think um, about the album concept nowadays? I mean, do people are still is is it people mostly making kind of singles and EPs, or um, you know, is the album concept? Do you think people Still expect albums from artists nowadays,
1: or you know, we'll I don't review. think anyone over anyone under the age of, I mean, really, if I'm being honest, I don't think anyone under the age of 30 expects or even cares about albums on the whole. My youngest sister, she will absolutely love a song, and I'll say, Oh, if you heard this one on the album? She'd be like, What? It's on an album, huh? It's going to give a fuck yeah. because of the singles yeah, yeah. market, and I think. I actually think it's quite good for new artists, particularly because you can invest this money creating a song, and you can really get the most out of your investment because you can spend your time really pushing it, and then you can pivot a little bit. You know, as an artist, your tastes are always changing, and you're wanting to put more attention maybe on an one aspect of the sound or maybe your songwriting. And so, if you just go in and write like write and produce five songs in two months, and that's going to be your release for the next year you know halfway through yeah. you might think i don't even just doesn't even like resonate with me now so i think it's i think it's quite good in that respect i think i think i still listen to albums but it doesn't yeah. change my yeah i don't know to be honest it's
0: oh it's interesting isn't it i mean i, I think you know if you if you do release a single or a band releases a single an artist releases a single Um, we mentioned streams on Spotify and, you know, um, Apple music. And obviously when you release it, it goes on all the digital, um, you know, streaming and download platforms and stuff, which is great and everything. What about getting onto the radio? I mean, I noticed that you, um, you flagged up something, um, interesting that we saw about, um, you know, yes, I appreciate there are radio pluggers who do what they do and everything, but there was something about, you know, having a deal and almost a kind of behind closed doors deal. Uh, to get certain artists or, or certain labels played on Radio 1. I mean, that's um, that's an interesting way of doing things. But what chance do you stand if you don't have that kind of backup and support? You know, how do you get your songs on the radio ah. nowadays?
1: I mean, radio nowadays, if you don't have any budget for it, for a plugger, et cetera, you know, it comes back down to your fans, yeah. I think. You know, if you have a rabid set of fans that you can mobilize, you know, like B BTS do this incredibly well when BTS released something, they have so many fans on Twitter and accounts that um, all sort of assemble and they come up with these tactics and people will set up like different Spotify accounts. And when the song comes out, they'll all start streaming it and they'll all like leave it streaming. They'll listen to it all day long. They'll be asking other people to do it. They'll be um, emailing and texting radio stations, et cetera, being like, hey, you got to play this song. And you know, if a radio station gets... A thousand people, all different um, profiles or whatever, you know, requesting a song and phoning in and asking for songs or whatever. It's it's going to have an, an impact, and they'll be thinking well, people actually want to hear this, you know. And then when it gets played, they'll get the, all their fans yeah. like, oh, thanks so much for playing. It. I love that song. It's so good, you know. I'm like you got to play it again. So I think you shouldn't undervalue engaged and connected fans with how much impact they can have on that
0: yeah i mean that's that's a, that's a whole different um you know topic of conversation all over about how you ac- accumulate those fans and everything but um the best thing is just make good music right and and, and you know have it properly um produced and and distributed that you know and then you at least at least it's out there and then it's a case of getting the whole you know getting that um letting people know it's there as yeah. well as, as, as you said but yeah, certainly having a fan certainly having a fan base helps. So I'm just going to ask you about um, when when you hear a song nowadays. I mean, because I mean, I certainly I listen to music very differently now um, since I got into the kind of songwriting and and understood it a little bit more. When when you listen to something for the first time, what are you listening for? Or you know, how long do you give it before you think I like this track? You know, is, do you? form a judgment on a song you know from the, the, like the the intro or do you wait for the chorus or you know what are you listening for to to, to decide almost you always
1: like get on. to a chorus i'll be interested in the melody and the lyrics lyrics are really important for me and if i hear yeah. a descending triplet melody in the pre i'll be very unim I'll, I'll expect very little from the chorus there's Certain melodies and stuff that are just so played out now, particularly in straight up pop. Um, but then sometimes it'll be a beat like I listened to, fuck that new, uh, just came out today, the Bebe Rexa and Doja Cat track. Um, and the beat on that and the yeah. bass and stuff just fucking slam. And the melody's great. And uh, Labyrinth released one today as well that melody on it's super unique. Just like, I just love unique melodies. And I just feel like they engage me so so much more than throwaways that we've heard before yeah i think i think a lot of people a lot of artists don't give the listener enough benefit of the doubt and they think that they can't possibly ingest or understand a melody that isn't super dumbed down and heard before yeah
0: yeah so I mean in terms of um, you know, the sort of technical stuff that you were talking about there, um, do you think do you think you could you, you well you must be able to give me you anticipate what's kind of coming next if it's yeah, a kind of standard, Yeah, you can song, you?
1: yeah, I, I, there's quite a few songs that you put on and, and I and I really don't want them to go to that place, but they often go to that place and I just think, Oh gosh. Do. Yourself, so much money has been put yeah. into this song, you could have just done something a bit more interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think. I think. Arguably, as well, is that you know. Have you seen that? Um, you know, because people I've, I've spoken to, um, you know, and I think if you have a very basic understanding um, of music, um, you know, and I come at this, you know, a lot later in life than you did, but yeah. Have you yeah, seen that? Yeah. Is it the actors of awesome yeah, um, cool. Australian thing? So if you've got, if you've got four chords, um, and <laughs> you, they do this thing where you could they can play about, about forty or fifty tracks that uh that are all
1: essentially the same chords just yeah. with a different yeah, exactly. uh, melody it's it's great i mean it, yeah the chords uh, so and stuff don't need be- to be complicated you know and that i think that just is testament to how many options there are and how unique you can be with your melodies like those four chords shouldn't restrict you to writing the same thing as everyone else and you know by by that very video I haven't yeah
0: i mean it's that's the thing i mean have all, no, have all the great not. songs been written
1: yeah
0: yeah and I, I, I agree with you yeah because yeah because when I was thinking about you know well how do you get anything that's going to sound new? Because I think a lot of the stuff you know, when we talk about influences, um, obviously you know I'm going back to what I'm going I'm talking I talk about mention Noel Gallagher again, you know he's been um, quite uh, overtly if you like um, said well I t- I got the rhythm from that you know a penny whistle from the you know from a song that was in yeah. something in the 1950s whatever, I mean that's not plagiarism or anything that's just basically being influenced by or getting an idea from to create something new from
1: something yeah, that already exactly, existed. Yeah. That no, makes no one, there's been nothing original for years. It's all yeah. just borrowing and reimagining. Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Okay, um, right, we're going to have a listen to another one of the tracks um, of yours that was written, um, produced, and I think you mixed this one as well. It's um, could, Go yes. All Out by Salt Ashes. Oh. Salt Ashes, yeah. So we're going to have a listen about that. Um, was that in your, yeah, you yeah. in your studio um, as well?
1: Yeah, that was all here in That's Brixton. Cool.
0: Kind of full uh, full job on this one. Okay, this is Go All Out by Salt Ashes.
4: I'd ask my younger self, do you want to be free? If you know you'd be where I am right now, would you follow the flame? No insecurities That I am just me Or about the stories on my skin Wish I could go back to the start And tell my younger self hello, hello. I'm a younger self
0: So that was go all out by salt ashes um written and produced and um
1: mixed by luke mosley
0: so um great artist then so uh, yeah, salt vega. ashes is vega uh
1: lives in london great artist lover visuals really awesome performer we've done a couple songs together did that one and another one called totally faking but she's just released i think she just released a new one actually yesterday which I need to check. Out. No, today. Sorry, not yesterday. Today. Right. Um, so you should go and check her out. Salt Ashes. Today. She kicks ass.
0: Yeah, yeah. So as I just again I'll, the the artists that we've um, uh, showcased. You know, well, I'll put their links again in the in the show notes, um, which is good. So going back to the studio work then, I and mean, and that's you know probably how you prefer to work to kind of you know up close and personal with the artist in the room. Um, but how how about um, you know in, in this day and age? I mean, do you also work with people remotely as well? With you, you can you know maybe mix something online or not necessarily have physical contact with the artist, but yeah, yeah. just maybe just yeah, online sometimes. Do you do that
1: as like, lockdown as yeah. well? I mean, technology is amazing. I was working with an artist, one of the um, artists I work with remotely, who's in Canada, and literally she has Logic on her computer. We had a Zoom. Session going. She gave me control of her computer, so when she was recording the vocals, I was running the session on her computer remotely, and then she can just save that session and send it across to me, and I can have all the vocals to comp and put into my projects. Um, it is—it's fucking incredible. It's like amazing. it blows my mind that I'm controlling someone else's computer across the, the, the other side of the world, and they're recording, and you know, we're sending back and forth ideas, and we're like, we wrote the song on Zoom together um you know people send stems to get mixed uh remotely i did i did just a writing session with somebody mm-hmm. who wanted some help on a song that there was two of them one mm-hmm. was in the uk one was in i think germany so yeah so how how did the, how did
0: the how did they find you then i because mean, i know you work do some work for you know for some um notable labels um you know with, with artists from labels but i mean to people yeah yeah so find people have got my website
1: well? you know mosleynoise.com where i got some examples on there and people can sort of get in touch fill out like a little project planner that asks a few more questions about the projects that they want to get started there's like a little yeah. video and stuff on there that talks about my process um people get in touch through instagram facebook
0: yeah that's i mean yeah so it's, it's important you know as a producer to have your you know your creds and everything else out there, um, and, and make it easy to find. But I just think, like you said, that you know, <laughs> having control of somebody's you know, machine, um, you know, 10,000 miles away, whatever, yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah. Did you say it was Calgary. in
1: Canada? Actually, yeah, I was just gonna was say, that, yeah, was yeah was it that is. Release. Release. Yeah, we're working on her follow up to this this release.
0: Oh, perfect. Yeah, because that's one of the ones mm. that um, I've got here as um, I'd, I'd like to play. Um, it's called Home With You. What a perfect fact, segue. Well, Look at right that. Right oh, how ideal. <laughs> did you? Oh, <laughs> this is flowing so well. Um, and I, <laughs> okay. Well, um, well, there's no greater time than the present. To, uh, we were just talking about this track and this artist, Solis. Um This is the one that Luke's just described that was done remotely um, in from Calgary uh, the track is called Home With You and written and produced by Solis and Luke Mosley.
5: I was in cowboy hats never felt like home I used to hate my city, my place knew I had to go now I dream in a city
0: track there that was home with you by solise and so which pretty much um, brings us to the end of the, okay. the podcast luke um i just have to say thank you very much for sparing your time i know you're busy um making music and doing all other things and skating around and stuff That's but nice. yes yeah, so thanks for joining us today um yeah no my pleasure and you know really interesting stuff um i don't think we were too technical were we with with stuff i mean because i know nothing about music production but i think as a podcast with people listening and it's interesting to find out you know how this music gets out there you know how how it's how it's produced and and the reasons that artists do the things that they do and you know you do what you do very well um you know from what i've seen and obviously from what what we've heard and um yeah i I was was trying to say goodbye wasn't i (laughs) So I could I could talk music, um, you know, with you Absolutely. for you know for, for a long period of time, and, and we have done as well. So, um, what? Yeah, what? Have we got? So, what's next for you? Have you got something coming up? That's the um,
1: weekend. We I'm taking my weekend? nephew skating. Yeah, exactly. I'm Taking my nephew skating. skating. I generally try and just stay out of the studio on the weekend. So skating, eating, drinking beer, and yeah, and then you're back in the studio. It good in the studio today. So yeah, <laughs> loving life nice good stuff
0: all right mate we'll have a fantastic weekend thanks again for um for joining me on the on the feeling bisonic podcast you've been um a great guest really good to talk to you Luke. looking forward uh, to it thanks for uh, having me i'll see you soon so my thanks again to luke for joining me on this landmark 10th episode of the feeling bisonic podcast really hope that you've enjoyed the show if you like what you have been hearing on the podcast then please do share with a friend who you think might be interested in the content and the topics of conversation or the podcast in general also be fantastic if you could follow the podcast feeling vasonic and or subscribe on apple podcasts or follow on spotify or wherever you get your podcast fix from be fantastic if you could leave a review uh, it really does help to get the podcast noticed and obviously spread to a wider audience uh, which would be fantastic if you could help me to do that. So thanks again for listening and until next time, keep calm, stay safe and God bless.